Welcome to the Melissa Rx Scripts Podcast, the show that brings you lively conversations with leaders, colleagues, and friends in healthcare, pharmacy, and beyond. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for the Melissa Rx Scripts Podcast. I'm Melissa Muir Corrigan, and I'll be your host. Well, during 2020, I continue to be grateful for the frontline healthcare workers, which includes pharmacists, pharmacy residents, student pharmacists, and pharmacy technicians who are working so hard during a pandemic and every day make a difference and serve patients. Thank you. Well, now let's talk about a multi-passionate leader. Aaron Albert is a pharmacist, author, attorney, working in healthcare, pharmacy, health insurance, and education sectors. Today, Erin and I are gonna be discussing many things, including her being an entertainer, edutainer, sorry, I, I look forward to learning more about that. I'll give you a bit of an introduction to Erin, and then also let her tell you about herself, her career, and her many varied experiences in life in general. Erin's passions include career development for healthcare professionals, serving as a STEM advocate, and helping entrepreneurs and business owners with their pharmacy and healthcare benefits. Erin, thank you for being here with me today. It's great to be here. Thank you. You're welcome. As we get started, maybe you can tell me a little bit about your background, where you grew up, about your family, and a brief overview of your career experiences. Sure. Great to be here. Thank you, Melissa. It's fantastic to be with you. I will, as typical lawyers do, give you a disclaimer right out of the gate. I am more comfortable being on your side of the microphone. <laughs> I wondered about my that. my own, and a lot of podcasters are that same way too. So I'm better or more comfortable doing the interviewing. So if I start asking you questions, that's just a, a relic of that uh, stream of consciousness. But I am a Midwesterner. Grew up in Indiana, and I currently live in Indiana as well. I did live out briefly out east in Philadelphia when I was starting my pharmaceutical industry career, uh, which came after working in retail pharmacy. So I appreciate in your upfront uh, header as well that you are thankful for all of the frontline workers, as am I, and I include pharmacists in that. I know that's somewhat controversial right now. But I do include the pharmacists there and appreciate that they are working very hard on the front lines because I've been there, done that. Also, in addition to industry, I served at Butler University College of Pharmacy for over a decade. I taught in the College of Pharmacy, everything from ethics to pharmacy law to business, entrepreneurship, even most recently a non-traditional career development course for pharmacy majors really love that intersection of education and entertainment. So that's actually the name of my podcast. It's called The Edutainer. And I'm always fascinated by if you can throw in some entertainment around the education, it becomes stickier. And, you know, topics like pharmacy law might not be as exciting to other people as they are to me, but when you can throw some type of entertainment or sticky factor into content that's a little more rote or dry, I think it resonates better um, and you retain it longer. So I've always been fascinated by that intersection. 
Uh, right now, currently, I serve Apex Benefits, which is a health insurance broker of all things. I would have never predicted most, if not all, of the career moves that I've made, with the exception of retail pharmacy. And today, I work with self-insured employers, counties, private businesses that need healthcare benefits and pharmacy benefits for their employees. So completely different area of practice, never could have predicted it. Love my job. I learn on the job each and every day. Well, I think all of that is so interesting. And when you noted that you're usually on the other side of the microphone, what I'm excited about as we talk this afternoon is that it's a conversation. And so feel free to jump in. And yes, you can ask me questions um, as we go through that. And I also... I think it's interesting and I think our listeners will resonate when you talk about some of the courses that you've been involved with over the years, um, whether it be pharmacy law or business or non-traditional career paths. My sense is, and you know, I think we're seeing this quite a bit more now during these pandemic times, but that those skills are so important. And of course the clinical knowledge is important, but understanding of how to navigate some of these things. So I think those things have served you very, very well. And I appreciated too hearing about the stickiness. I think we'll talk more about that as this goes along, but you're right about making information accessible and then also making it interesting to people. And you have definitely done that. So, you know, I'm thrilled to be able to talk with you about that. I'm also a Midwestern gal, born in Illinois and, and now here in Iowa. And I have spent some time in Indiana. And I, I think I was going to ask you, there's a famous steakhouse in Indianapolis that I visited um, a couple years ago when I was there for a meeting. Is it St. Elmo's or something? But I remember that Indianapolis has really become interesting with culture and food and all kinds of great things going on. Yes, you are correct. It's St. Elmo's. Yeah, it was. that was a fabulous um, dinner that I had there with a group of foundation people. Well, you know, we're in 2020 and it's a really unusual year, a year of change and transition. So as you look at this year, what are some of the things that motivate you every day and who are some of your inspirations? Well, I think for me and for all of us, we were talking before we started taping about resilience and how I think we've all kind of had to pour gasoline on that facet of ourselves this year to get through it, which uh, I guess I can appreciate. We're almost getting there to 2021. And I feel like um, even with my podcast, I'm cutting off season three at the end of the year because I think all of us need to make a clean break for 2021. But that aside, I really appreciate that we've also learned how to be flexible this year. Yes. I had a job change this year, a career pivot that I never again could have uh, expected. But I, I think there are a lot of silver linings too. And I, I hate using that term almost because it's kind of overused, like unprecedented and all the other words that we've used to death in 2020. But that being said, one of the silver linings, in my opinion, has been the panoply of online learning. And I, I don't just mean that from the perspective of, oh no, we all have to get on Zoom now. I mean it from the perspective of Gee, there are conferences that are online that are lower cost or free that I can attend this year, never have to get on a plane to attend, and never would have attended but for having this available to me online at home. 
And I got to tell you, I've learned so much through online learning this year, attended so many conferences, so many certifications, certificate programs that otherwise in a normal quote unquote year, never would have participated in, never would have selected. Just because I think we're all kind of in this awkward situation where we're all trying to learn how to gather and connect with one another online. And the, I think, positive out of all of that has been all these options. I mean, even in certified pharmacy education or continuing pharmacy education, but also over in law, I've been shocked by how much free CE on both pharmacy and law is available out there. And I think it's a wonderful opportunity for all of us to start you know, beefing up our skills. We're locked in place. You know, we had our shelter in place in the spring. I fear that at least here in the Midwest, we may be headed toward another lockdown period, but take advantage of that. Go online and learn at edX or Coursera. You know, there's tons of free resources and courses out there and you can really find your niche or your passion inside pharmacy or whatever profession that you've chosen to pursue. Yeah, that's so interesting. I did a Coursera course last year and then I did I signed up for Skillshare a couple weeks ago or maybe about a month ago. And I've been doing some things on Instagram. We have a puppy, which is like many others. We got a puppy during the pandemic and it's a popular breed. And so I learned some new things about the photography and the posts and things like that, which is totally non-pharmacy related. But on the, on the flip side, I agree with you. I also have learned tremendously from pharmacy meetings and, you know, I'm planning to attend the ASHP mid-year, it's virtual, you know, we're not going to be in New Orleans um, with 25,000 of our colleagues, like maybe in years past, but I'm excited for what they're going to do and how they're going to have interactive formats. And I'm, there's students that I mentor that, you know, we're going to connect and things like that. So what's been your favorite course or certification that you've participated in the past few months? Ooh, that's tough. I would say probably the most germane to my day job and the most helpful has been the Certified Pharmacy Benefits Specialist. It's through a company called Transparent RX. And I had Tyrone Squires, who's the instructor of that certification on my own podcast in the past to kind of explain it. It's hardcore. I, I've been a pharmacist for over 20 years. And I got to tell you this fall when we went through the course, because there's several of us at Apex that have the certification or were recertifying, I was going through it for the first time. I learned a ton about how PBMs work, how third-party administrators work on the medical side, what constitutes a great PBM contract. What about discounts? What about rebates? How are specialty drugs managed? How should they be managed? Are they transparent PBMs or are they retaining rebates? I mean, all of these things that I never learned in pharmacy school, I got in a couple of weeks of instruction, both online as well as live. And we had a high stakes final exam. We had a capstone project where we literally had to write a PBM contract from scratch. Wow. So it was hardcore. You know, I'm, I'm a recovering professor. I'm down with, you know, hard assignments like everybody else, but this one, Tyrone is not messing around. So I really appreciated that Apex supported us going through, there was a whole cadre of us, about half a dozen of us that went through that certification. Those who had the certification before from our office recertified and were the first crop in the entire country to recertify with that certification. 
So really proud of our team. And I'm the only pharmacist that was in that group. And I was so impressed with my colleagues who really know the medical benefits side, but also through the CPBS are really top notch when it comes to the pharmacy benefits as well. So I would say that one is probably my favorite. You know, what's really cool about that though, is you just gave us an example. I think many of our listeners out there may be interested in, you know, what's a more like non-traditional path or something like that. And we're throughout our discussion today, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But I also think then they might say, well, how do I get there? Or, you know, what could that look like? And also in 2020 and beyond, I think there's going to be opportunities and jobs that don't exist right now. So your example of this certification and that it provided knowledge to you in gaps that you may have had in a very rigorous, challenging program just sounds amazing. So maybe I, I'll try to link to that in the show notes. I think I think there would be a lot of interest um, among our listeners. So one of the things that I do on the podcast is I often talk about a historical figure. Um, we reflect on someone. And so you and I, when we've connected before, have talked about your interest in Hebert H. Humphrey. So tell me more about his impact and his influence in your world. Yeah. So when you originally asked me this question, I had to kind of pause for a second, but Hubert Humphrey is the highest ranking person in a political sphere in the United States of America. He made it to vice president. I believe he also ran for president. He ran for mayor of, I think it was Minneapolis as well. He was a pharmacist. And what, what's really interesting to me was at first glance, a lot of people say, or if you go to Wikipedia, you'll learn quickly that he didn't really like pharmacy. I mean, he went to pharmacy school to help his father with the local drugstore, as many pharmacists used to do. And he worked the bench for a couple of years and decided he really had a passion for politics and making broader change. And even though he, I guess, technically resigned from pharmacy, he really didn't. Because if you look at his political history and his service in all sectors of government, you know, the city level, at the congressional level, even as vice president, he still used a lot of his pharmacy background and knowledge to create things like Medicare that are still to this day. And, you know, it really frustrates me when people say, well, pharmacists can really only do two things. They can work in a hospital or they can work at a corner drugstore. And I emphatically disagree with that. In fact, most people that go to college that pick a major don't even end up working in that major. And the opposite at first glance seems to be true of pharmacy. However, I'm here to declare <laughs> just from my own personal experience if no other benchmark to state that you don't have to work in just those two settings. In fact, I think now more than any other point in history, having a pharmacy background can really be a great door opener to a lot of jobs that quote unquote don't need a pharmacist. Politics, I mean, we, we all talk all the time about the benefits of pharmacy. We're the most accessible healthcare professionals. We need provider status. But if we had more people who were pharmacists in Congress, in political offices, making those changes at a broader level, like Hubert Humphrey did, you still are advocating for the profession and you're still using arguably your knowledge that you got in pharmacy school. 
So I love Hubert's story because even though he wasn't quote unquote, a retail pharmacist after a few years, he still was using his knowledge to make the world a better place. And so when students come to me that are frustrated and they say, Dr. Albert, you know, is retail and hospital, are those the only two paths? Absolutely not. And that's why I love Hubert's story because he's just one of those examples that used his pharmacy background to really affect broad changes for all of us that are still here to this day. Well, I think you and I share that passion related to broad changes and, you know, looking at the big picture and how do we impact others in a broad scale? You know, I was able to do that through my leadership with the Pharmacy Technician Certification Board, and you clearly have done that through your education of current and future leaders. And then, you know, through some of the vehicles that you've done with sharing information, I think has put that out there. I also think you're spot on that there are so many options right now for our, our student pharmacists and for people early in their career or even down the road. You know, I, I think we're seeing more pharmacists change as the profession is evolving, but you're right. The fundamental or foundation that you have in healthcare through, you know, pharmacy education and training and the experience that individuals have, but you're understanding how it fits in a policy standpoint and what's going to be paid for and how that all relates. It's just really important. So I appreciate that you were interested in talking about him. And, you know, yes, clearly his impact is far and wide, especially related to seniors or, you know, an elderly population. So I'm, I'm grateful that we talked about him. And, you know, it's also, I think, another thing of like, oh, the places you'll go. Like, you know, when he was helping his dad out, I don't know that he could have envisioned that he would end up going down the road into politics, but it's also, I think, a helpful foundation. And to see too how community pharmacy has evolved, that it's very different probably than during his father's time, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that I really love about pharmacy right now and, and looking at Hubert's case, he was what I call a generalist. He had a 50,000 foot view of healthcare and how it could affect positively, in, in his case, seniors. He was very passionate about senior citizens and Medicare. I also think there's a lot of space for specialists too, meaning that you can find a very narrow niche to go into as a pharmacist, and it too can become part of your professional background, your brand, although brand is probably not the right term, but what it is that you wanna be known for. I mean, there's so many opportunities. There's over 300 certificates, certifications right now. You know, just in the last political election, I saw opportunities to learn even more about medical marijuana, mushrooms, psychosyllabin, and, and the psychedelics now are coming online. And even though at the federal level, yes, there's still controlled substance schedule one, I think more and more states are going to need people with that pharmacy expertise from a pharmacology point of view to help patients bring those therapies to market legitimately. So pick your passion. Is it opioids? Is it pain management? Is it oncology? I mean, there's so many routes that you can go down and pathways and you can pivot too. Just because you're into you know, marijuana today, that doesn't mean that tomorrow you could pivot into clinical trials or becoming a medical affairs professional or doing something else completely different. I like that about pivots because you've clearly had 
a number of pivots in your career. And, you know, I would also probably reflect and say that you've had multiple passions and strengths. And so when I look at your career and when you were describing some of the things you've done along the way, I think you've really been an early adopter. I know when I was getting into podcasting and really thinking about launching the Melissa Rx Scripts podcast, a couple of people said, oh, you need to talk to Aaron, that you have been in this for a little bit of time. So tell me like, what was the kind of genesis or foundation related to you launching in the podcast space? And we touched on being an edutainer and maybe describe what your episodes or what those interviews have been like on your podcast. And I think you started... 2005, 2006, is that correct? Yeah, which feels like a million years ago now. But the first time I podcasted way back then, and it was super nerdy back then, there were, you know, the nerdy people that were into podcasting were doing it back then, was really to disseminate information on field-based medical science liaisons, because I was a medical liaison at the time. There wasn't a lot of places where you could go to get information actually published my first book on medical liaisons because I was frustrated by the fact that I couldn't find a journal to publish it in. So I was talking about all the things that mattered to me as an MSL at the time in a podcast channel. And I've kind of gone in and out of podcasting over the years. Now I'm, you know, on my own channel, The Edutainer. And I just love it because it's a dialectic that goes on in my head anyway. So it's like, if you're going to have this conversation with yourself about your profession and or things that matter to you, why not share it in a venue where maybe you can find others like you, either who agree or even better, people who disagree sometimes. I think the best discourse happens when people respectfully disagree with one another. So I like the podcast vehicle for that reason. Last fall, I went to She Podcasts in Atlanta, and it was a great meetup of women podcasters. And man, I have never been to another meeting where there was more girl power in the room at one time. It was awesome. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And these women podcasters were all over the place. I met podcasters who podcast on Pez or vacation RV parks, or it just all kinds of different topics that are completely off the ranch from healthcare. And I got to tell you, those are some of my favorite meetings to attend just because you get very different points of view, but you all share one common thread, I guess. And so I really love the podcaster tribe. I think most podcasters really want to positively affect change in whatever it is that they're studying or sharing or just nerding out on. And I, I love that. I think that's the way we get to better places, whether you know we talk about pharmacy or books or healthcare or you know new technologies, whatever the case may be. Just think it's really important to have those discussions right now. And the great news, another silver lining out of COVID-19 is that podcasting is off the charts now. More downloads now than ever. So I congratulate you for starting your own podcast as well. And I think the pharmacy technician world too definitely needs more of a voice out here. Pharmacy technicians are worth their weight in gold. And, you know, I had the luck of working with one at my last uh, job, Kavan, if you're listening, by the way, hi, Kavan. But she was wonderful, really hard worker. And if you're in a retail setting, those great technicians can make or break you if they're there or they're not. 
You know, it's, it's so interesting. I've used that quote before that a good pharmacy technician can make or break your day. And early in my career, when I was, I floated from store to store with Walgreens, you may be familiar that they've done that in the past with, um, in certain markets where they are very high volume. And, you know, go, even though you're in the same chain, each store can be slightly different with, you know, their patient population and the way the physical things are set up. And so, you know, just going in each store, it was so helpful to have a qualified technician to help out and just let me know like the lay of the land and make a difference. So, and I also agree with you about podcasting, you know, now I think a lot of people are trying to get outdoors during this, these times. And so, you know, just popping in your headphones or I listen to podcasts a lot when I'm cleaning, like if I'm cleaning up the kitchen, you know, I empty the dishwasher, I put put one on. Brene Brown is a, a new favorite of mine. I mean, I, I definitely listen to healthcare ones, but I also try to, as you described in the attending the She Podcaster seminar, that I try to listen to things that are different. You know, I listen to some happiness podcasts, Gretchen Rubin is, is interesting. Um, and, you know, what's interesting too, what I've found for me in doing this this past year or several months is it pushes yourself. You know, you talk about silver linings and learning new things. And then I also wanted to provide the opportunity. And, you know, I think our discussion today aligns really clearly with this so that as leaders, especially women leaders, we could get more women leaders and that they could see themselves. And if they don't necessarily have a specific mentor or role model that's doing something, there might be someone out there who's hearing us today and, and thinking about your work in the healthcare sp insurance space and pharmacy benefits and, and says, you know, I'd be interested in doing more about that. So I'm hoping through our discussions that, you know, we're able to provide examples and widen the path and hopefully bring more people along. So, you know, for me, it's it's been fun and it's been interesting and I'm learning and I'm, you know, just grateful that you and I are able to talk today and grateful for the experiences that I've been able to have and, you know, looking forward to what's coming next in the future. So well, that's really cool. As you were talking about the podcast and even reflecting on the pivots in your career, I'm hearing a common thread. And I think that common thread is that you're really interested in doing your own thing. It's not necessarily a set path or what's maybe someone else would do. You know, you ended up going to law school. So what tips would you share with others who are interested in pursuing a different path or a unique path? Or, you know, this week is first generation college student week. So you know, what would you say to them about kind of moving forward and what's next? That's great. I didn't know there was such a week. Actually, I am a first-generation college graduate in my family. I went to law school for a lot of crazy reasons. I think one of the big reasons, actually, was that the Affordable Care Act was rolling out at the time. This is a 10,000-page law that, frankly, was not written by healthcare professionals. It was written by lawyers, right? So I think it's so important for those of us in healthcare to serve as translators with the legal profession. Legal people have their own language, just like medicine and just like pharmacy. And, you know, the acronyms all drive us crazy. But I think it's really important to be able to articulate the value of pharmacy back to other professions. And I'm not just talking about law. I'm talking about, in my case, with my current day job, CFOs or CEOs or heads of HR. They don't sometimes know what all pharmacists can bring to the table. So we have to get out of our own way and articulate our value and be proud of it. I think sometimes we're like this pensive little wallflower at the school dance waiting for somebody to ask us, you know, to 
come dance. Well, we just need to go out there and start dancing and doing our own thing. Because if we keep waiting, we're going to be waiting forever. And props to the medical profession because they figured that out. You know, if they see something that they don't like, they're on it. And pharmacy, we kind of wait and we kind of like what let others tell us what we can and can't do. And we need to really own our profession, frankly. So I really wanted to go to law school to learn how to advocate for pharmacy because I kept seeing all of these laws being made without the lens of a healthcare professional on them. So I think it's really important to be able to serve as an advocate. Truly, when you sign up to be a pharmacist, you're not just signing up to be a pharmacist, you're signing up to be an advocate for the profession as well. And advocacy, shame on us in pharmacy schools for not teaching our students how to become good advocates of the profession. In pharmacy law, for example, I had a lecture on how to advocate for the profession, how to talk to your congressional folks, how to work with your state associations, your general assemblies like we have here in Indiana, fellowships that are around Congress. You know, there's the VCU ASHP uh, fellowship, congressional fellowship that many of our students at Butler actually went through. So there's so many cool ways to advocate for the profession from everything from let's start a letter writing campaign or let's put a change.org petition out there all the way through to, hey, I'm going to go on the hill and I'm going to talk to my Congress people about what it is that pharmacy brings to the table and how to get involved in that because nobody's really going to ever show you how to do that. You have to step up and own it. And trust me, there's plenty of other professions out there that are doing a great job in advocating for themselves. So we need to step up and do that for our own profession as well. So law school for me, there were many other reasons too that why I wanted to go. And I was really fortunate that at the time I was teaching full-time at Butler and going to law school at night. I had a dean that was very supportive of it and very blessed to have that opportunity to really hang out at that cool intersection of pharmacy and law. So, you know, to the first generation students, I'm living proof again that you can do it. You can do whatever you want. I went to pharmacy school twice, got my BS, my PharmD, went to business school, went to, to uh, law school. Still kind of want to get my PhD, but haven't figured out which PhD I want to pursue yet. But the bottom line is you can do whatever you want to do. You just have to set a goal for yourself and make it happen. I think in this day and age, the, the only limit is what's between our ears. I think more than 99 times out of 100, you know, it's just, you can do whatever you set your mind to. You just have to uh, go for it. Yeah, you can do whatever you set your mind to. And you have to go for it. I think that those are really important words for our listeners to hear and, you know, to hear the reflections on your journey. And I think the whole political process can be very intimidating. You know, like, how would I reach out to my congressman or to my senator? And what does that look like? And I think if you've gone through an advocacy training or campaign, because you and I both know that how you do it and what you say and realizing that, you know, if you're in DC and you're going to do a meeting on the Hill, that typically you're meeting with staffers, you know, no, you're not typically meeting with your congressman or senator, although occasionally those do. It's important too to know what leadership positions in Congress make a difference, whether it's the finance committee, you know, whether armed services, you know, depending on what the topic is. So I think there's so many nuances that you talked about 
that are really important for people to know about. But it is interesting. It seems like in the last several years that student pharmacists are definitely more interested in advocacy and learning about the political process and taking part in whether it be a legislative day on the state level and going to their capital or federal. There just seems to be more interest in that than there had been in the past, which is, which is a cool thing to do. And clearly, you and I both know being at the table makes such a difference. I mean, if you're not at the table and a pharmacy's not doing it, someone else is going to decide. They're going to make these decisions that are just going to come down and then I mean, are going to be very impactful. And they may not be in the way that's beneficial for the public health or for the profession. Yeah. I get really frustrated very quickly when I see, oh, the new task force on public health or whatever that the, the topic du jour is, and nobody's the pharmacist. They never have a pharmacist rep on there. And I'm like, how can you have a discussion about healthcare and not include the drug expert in that discussion? It just, it baffles me. So I think the only way we're going to get a seat at the table is if we learn and teach each other how to have those conversations to be ready to be there or to even, you know, get our own chair and step up to the table rather than waiting, you know, we're going to be waiting forever. Yeah, I think your point about get your own chair to step up at, and, you know, to be at the table. And I think the campaign, Lucinda was my first guest, Lucinda Main, and I know you've interviewed her before. You know, she's talked quite a bit about the campaign Pharmacists for Healthier Lives. And, you know, I think that's helping the public and consumers understand about access and, you know, that most female or women in the family are the CEO of the healthcare team and, you know, how visiting their pharmacy is so important. And, you know, clearly we're seeing pharmacies as accessible places where individuals are going for healthcare right now. There's a lot of flu shots that are happening this fall with pharmacies, but we need to continue and to keep that spotlight on so that people understand why it matters and why it makes a difference. Yeah, I for Pharmacist Week in October, I did this little underground medium uh, blog post series, what I called punk rock pharmacy. I had literally took some of the analogies from the 1960s, 70s, 80s genre of punk rock and the bands and applied them to how we could solve some issues within pharmacy. And I love that. I love dragging other ideas from other professions, although calling punk rock a profession might be a stretch, but yeah. taking the ideas from something else outside of healthcare and dragging them into our profession. That is my jam. I love that. And so the weirder the analogy, the better for me, because I think we can all learn from each other. And sometimes in pharmacy, we love to stay with ourselves. <laughs> and we need to break out of those walls and go to that crazy meeting where you're the only pharmacist in the room. I think that's a great you know, thing to think about. And that's one thing that I'm thinking about for 2021. What meeting can I go to learn a ton about, but I'd be the only pharmacist in the room? Yeah, I think that's so powerful and so important. And, you know, when I moved from DC back to the Midwest to work at ACT and be in the education sector and higher education space, my healthcare experience was so helpful. But what's interesting now is some of the work that I'm doing in healthcare has really been informed by my work in the education sector. You know, it's because that, that sector is being disrupted too. So I totally agree with you that I think putting yourself in scenarios 
you can learn so much and, you know, the disruption can really be interesting. And we've seen a lot of things that were different this year and where people needed to adapt and change, but my sense is where that's just going to continue moving forward. So, well, I look forward to hearing about what those meetings may be that you're going to go to and, you know, we'll continue these conversations. One of the things that I typically do at the close of the podcast is I ask my guests, you know, while I have you, is there one prescription or life lesson you'd like to share with others or comment on in the spirit of Melissa Eric Scripps? I've been thinking about this one all day. I would say I could boil it down to two. Number one, other people's opinion of you is none of your business, meaning that you do you, go do your thing. I think sometimes when you're ruffling feathers or challenging the system and you get people that kind of cause friction around that, that means that's a signal that you're doing something right, in my opinion. So don't worry about what other people are doing. Don't compare yourself. That's the thief of joy, right? Just do your thing. And if you can sleep at night, go to bed at night, knowing that you've done everything that you can do, you're not hurting any others, but you're, you're doing the best job that you can do. That's all any of us can do. I think the other thing is Use the fuel of no as the accelerant to doing something, doing it twice and taking pictures. Meaning that if somebody tells you you cannot do something, use that fuel to do it. And I've been told so many times in my life, you cannot do this. You can't go to law school while you're working full time. You can't do law review if you're working full-time and going to law school, it's just too much. And when any time somebody told me I couldn't do something and I really wanted to do it, it was just like jet fuel for me to do it. So do it twice, take pictures, (laughs) and don't worry about what everybody else is thinking or doing. You just do you. I love that. You do you and the jet fuel and how those things propel you forward. I mean, it's an amazing way to close. And I think so helpful for us to reflect on, especially, you know, during these times. And as we look at what might be coming next in 2021 and beyond. Well, Aaron, it has been a treat. You know, Lucinda suggested that you and I connect. And I think we traded some emails and we've, you know, shared some information related to Women Pharmacists Day. But I'm so happy that this came together and that you were able to be on the Melissa Rx Scripps podcast today. To everyone listening, I want to say thank you and please subscribe to our show. And I want to give a special shout out to my producer, Kate Cruz, with Executive Podcast Solutions. And thanks everyone for listening. Thank you, Melissa. It was a pleasure uh, being on your show and I'll definitely need to get you back on mine so I can be more comfortable on the other side of the microphone. (laughs) 